All right. Well, chapter 15 uh, last week was really good because it laid the foundation for what we're about to study in the next couple of chapters, specifically uh, chapter 16 tonight. Oh, that doesn't do that. Okay. Maybe it's the lower one. Oh, no. I'm just tearing Everest stuff up here. Sorry, buddy. Okay, so chapter 15, as I said, we had seven angels were each given a vial or a bowl of plagues of the wrath of God from one of the four living creatures in heaven. And so as they had received those, we are now going to see the outpouring of those bowls onto a Christ-rejecting world. The title of tonight's message is called The Outpouring, because that's exactly what we're going to see. The angels that were given those bulls will now outpour those vials of the wrath of God onto the world. But before we get into tonight's chapter, I just thought it would be interesting for us to have a quick review. You know, people get confused. They're like, man, the trumpets, the the seals, but then there's the bulls, but which one comes first, but then why? You know, and I thought, you know what, let's do a review. And there's a chart here that is perfect. And by the way, I want to thank Christy. Thank you for, I I do my outlines every week, and I email them to Christy, and she's the one that kind of puts these all together, prints them out so that you guys can have them. So Thank you so much for that. She does an excellent job, and I was really excited about seeing tonight's handout. It's Bible size. So the idea here is that we not just have this tonight, but you keep this in your Bible, you'll always have it. That way we can never get confused about the the bowls and the trumpets and the seals and all that. So we'll just go through it together, if you will. The second column there is the seal judgments. And if you remember, we covered these in chapter 6 of Revelation. The first one there would be uh, the world conquest. Moving on to the second seal judgment, the peace is removed. In other words, war breaks out in the world. Third there, the third seal was famine. The fourth one there is a quarter of the world's population killed. Pause there for a minute. A quarter of the world's population killed. That's sobering. Number five there in the seal judgments was martyrdom. We see a great deal of people, a great number of people who are believers really uh, running for their lives, if you will, and and they are killed as martyrs. Uh, The sixth seal judgment, uh, a great earthquake and cosmological events. That would be events happening uh, the, act, the world itself, the actual physical earth, is actually going under great uh, turmoil. And then finally, this is where people get confused. The seventh seal judgment is actually the trumpet judgments. So that's the, the first trumpet judgment is opened up. Uh, and then that gets us to column number three. The trumpet judgments. Those were found in Revelation chapters 8 and 9. We went through those together. First one there being a third of the earth and trees burned, um, plus all green grass. You ever tried to burn green grass? I don't know why you would, but I can imagine it would be very difficult. I know we've tried to burn green wood, in other words, wood that wasn't seasoned or dried. You always go and get wood in the summer. You know, and you're preparing that way by the time winter hits, you want to burn it. It's had time to kind of dry and you can set the thing on fire and get warm. Well, you try to burn green wood. It doesn't work out too well. Here, even the green grass gets burned, which gives us the idea or the understanding of whatever this is. This has got to be some hot events that's unfolding. The second one there, the, a third of the sea turns to blood. A third of the living creatures die and a third of all ships destroyed. So we see the sea actually being affected here, turned to blood, uh, creatures dying. And we're going into, um, if you'll notice here, we're seeing a third, a third, a third, whereas tonight's judgments will be basically the whole globe 
uh, everything will be destroyed. So what we are discovering is that as these judgments have been poured out in these seemingly three phases, uh, the intensity of these plagues ratchet up. They get more intense each time. So the number three, a blazing star falls to earth. A third of fresh water turns bitter. Many people die. Okay. Number four, the fourth trumpet. A third of the sun, moon, and stars turn dark. A third of the day and night turn dark. So we talked a little bit about that. If we lost a third of the brightness of our sun, that would affect what? It would affect crops. Crops would not grow to the full extent that they do today, which then would turn no crops, no food, and then, of course, we're back to the problem of famine, which we saw back in chapter 6. So, again, uh, ratcheting it up quite a bit. Uh, let's see, number five, the sun and sky darkened by locusts from the abyss. And this causes extreme suffering. You might remember that, that one in particular. Uh, the abyss is open, that bottomless pit, if you remember, and smoke comes out. And along with that smoke, these uh, demon-like locusts were sent out uh, into the world. But they were not to destroy grass or tree or herb. They couldn't care less about that. We think of locusts, we think, oh man, they destroy crops and wheat and all that. Not these ones. These ones are coming after mankind. And if you remember, what they do is they have a sting that would torment man for five months. And the Bible describes that as a torment like the sting of a scorpion. But this is so bad, this torment from this sting, that people will want to kill themselves. But you remember, they are tormented for five months and death is taken from them. So you will have a mass amount of people seeking ways to kill themselves, to get away from this torment and this pain, but they will not be able to. They won't be able to kill themselves to end that pain. They will suffer for five months from the sting of these locusts. So great suffering there. And the sixth one there, uh, a third of world population killed. Again, uh, we're looking at the Euphrates River. What was that all about? You might remember um, shortly after, the, uh, after that trumpet that four angels, in other words, fallen angels, uh, are somehow bound at the river Euphrates today, currently. In other words, there are demons and, and, and whatnot free about right now. Paul tells us that. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. And these demons, we've talked about this before. We're not to be ignorant. Paul says, don't be ignorant of these things. So we're not. When it comes up in scripture, we talk about it. And there are demons that study you and I. That is their hierarchy. That's their job. They study us. They know what pushes our buttons. Uh, they know what doesn't really affect me, but they know what does. They know what affects you, and they know what doesn't work. And the enemy always sends out his minions, these demons, to uh, do his bidding. And the world's in a really messed up condition right now because of the enemy, Satan, and these demons who help him out. But do you know there are demons that are so wicked and so evil and so powerful that they can't be loosed right now? Because if you think the world's bad today, it would be chaos and literally hell unleashed on earth if these guys were loose. Well, guess what? In this chapter, in chapters 8 and 9, you remember they are. They are loosed. And what do they do? They go out and they kill a third of the remaining population, which, by the way, remember chapter 6, we read a fourth of the population was already killed. The remainder of that, another third killed by these. So complete and utter destruction is coming to the planet. Finally, number seven, uh, the seventh trumpet judgment, kind of like the seal judgment. It is the beginning or the first 
of the bowl judgments. And that gets us to our chapter tonight, chapter 16, and we're going to look at these bold judgments in uh, greater detail as we get started. Now, these are the last judgments that are going to be poured out uh, upon this earth. Um, remember, this is stuff that is coming to a planet that is sick. The world is sick. Do you agree? Even we understand that. We look around and we just, I mean, how could you not know that the world is just absolutely sick? Culture is sick. Um, the, the ideologies and the belief systems and the agendas, they're all sick. People are sick, sick-minded, sick-hearted. We're in a very terrible condition. And it's only going to get worse until these times. The Lord has to deal with sin. God has to. It's his character. It would go against his character if he didn't deal with sin. And last week we talked about in chapter 15 that God's wrath and his judgment, it does work. The wheels turn slow, but they do turn. And they grind to an absolute pulp. And that is what we're experiencing. You and I live under grace. You and I have had the grace given and poured out to us that allowed you and I to come to know Jesus as our Savior. Do you guys realize that? It was by his grace that we even had the thought that, hey, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and Jesus is that Savior because of the work he did on the cross. It was by his grace that I even had that concept and understood that. And then to come to the realization, realizing that I needed a Savior. And then to go further and understand that what Jesus did on the cross, even though I don't fully get it, I don't think we ever really will. I don't think we'll ever really fully understand the impact of the cross until we're in eternity. But we know enough to understand that that was terrible for Jesus. God sent his only son to die on that cross for you and me so that we can live eternally with him in heaven. What a glorious and wonderful and beautiful message that is. And it's one that you and I will perpetuate as long as we're walking and breathing air on this planet to the lost and to those around us. We're living under grace. But guess what? To those who don't accept that, to those non-believers even today, guess what? God's wrath is still upon them. See, that's been removed from us because all of our wrath was put on Jesus the day he was on the cross. And he absorbed that and took that. He actually took it for everyone. But for those who don't accept him and are non-believers even today, that wrath still exists on them. And even to non-believers in the day in which we're reading today, guess what? That wrath will be on them, and it will come to fruition. And we're about to see how as we begin our study. <clears throat> it gets us to chapter 16 and verse 1. John writes, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go! and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. It's time. God is fair. We've talked about this. What's about to be poured out is something that's been a long time coming. Remember I told you the, the God's righteous wheels turn slow? And they do. There's been those who have had the chance to get right with him their whole lives. But some refuse. And now here we're about to see this outpouring of these things um, onto the earth. Verse 2, so the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. We spend a lot of time talking about that, the beast, meaning the Antichrist, and the beast will set up an image 
when he goes and desecrates the temple that is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Um, when that is built, halfway through the tribulation, he will go in and demand to be worshipped, and somehow, some way, there will be some sort of image. We kind of discovered or explored what that might be. But be that as it may, people will worship that, but they will also receive the mark of the beast. People in that day will be under tremendous pressure to do that. Come on, it just makes sense. The old ways are leaving. The old ways are gone. The, just get with the program, will you? Get the mark so you can go and get some food and buy, sell, and trade and get the medic medication and the the medical care that you need and just all this stuff. I mean, it only makes sense, right? Let's get rid of the cash. We don't need that anymore. That's all archaic. It's all electronic now. Get with the program. They will be under so much pressure, even to the point of they will be, people will be starving because they can't get food. They can't buy, sell, or trade. And they will just be under so much pressure, and people will go ahead and they will succumb to this pressure, and they will go ahead and, and they'll go with the flow. They'll get the mark of the beast. Some people will even cut in line. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm just going to go do it. And they'll get it even though, remember, we've had studies where angels, remember the angels flying in the sky, warning, don't take the mark of the beast. It doesn't get any clearer than that. It's not like, huh, I wonder what he means by that. No, it's painfully obvious. They'll know. Don't take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of warnings. Remember the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that will be street preaching, quite literally. They'll be saying, don't do this. There will be warning after warning after warning not to do this because it, it's no good. And guess what? They will not heed those warnings. And so for those who gets this sore, who gets this plague? Those who took the mark of the beast, it tells us right there, and worshiped his image. Verse 3, then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man, and every living creature in the sea died. What is that? What does that mean? How could that happen? Could it be, you guys might have saw the news. Remember last month off the coast of Florida? You ever heard of red tide? I have an article here. It's very interesting. The red tide, I got a picture. You can actually see it. Looks like blood. But could you imagine? Think with me for just a moment. They said this is one of the biggest blooms of the red tide that they have seen. You could see it from space. And it, what it is, it's, it's a harmful algae called the Carinia brevis. And I highlighted just something here interesting to read. This is actually from Earth Observatory, put out by NASA. The Lemon Bay Aquatic Preserve provides habitat for fish and invertebrates and recreation opportunities for people, all of which can be affected by red tide. The Carinia brevis blooms produce neurotoxins that can cause skin irritation and respiratory problems, particularly for people prone to asthma and other lung diseases. It can also harm aquatic animals. During this bloom, there were reports of dead fish in the Pinellas, Manatee, Saratosa, Charlotte, Lee, and Collier counties. All of these fish and livestock, well, livestock, fish and uh, water life dying because of the toxins put out by this. Could it be? I don't know. It's, it's, it's fun to kind of think about. Or is it quite literal? Well, we'll never know because we won't be here. But it's fun to think about. Could it be like a global red tide where the Lord just allows this stuff to bloom and these, the animals just wash up the fish on the seas? It could be just quite literally blood of the ocean just turning to blood. And of course, then you would not only have the nastiness of that, but could you imagine all of, the, all of the ocean's creatures washing up on seashores? You ever go to the beach and just walk the beach and, well, before you even get to it, something's bad, what's that? And you round a corner and behind a stump is a dead sea lion or something. Whoo, get out of here. That's bad enough. Could you imagine like all of the sea life in the ocean washing up on the shore? 
terrible. This stuff will happen. All of the creatures in the sea died. Verse 4, Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. You're like, oh, okay, well, good. Well, the ocean, I mean, I, I don't drink that water, so fine, let it be. But then you go to the store and you grab bottled water, and guess what? The whole aisle of bottled water, that's all blood. Okay, well, fine. I'll just go home and I'll be like a kid and drink out of the hose like we did when we were kids. Which, by the way, can you believe we did that? No. You, who, raise your hand if you drank from the hose as a kid. All right, good. I'm not the only one. I can't imagine the neurotoxins I was getting from the hose that was 9,000 degrees because I've been sitting in the sun. You get third degree burns when it hits your face. <clears throat> Got to let it cool off. Oh. And then it was like, all right, that's good. You'll go home and turn that on and guess what? Blood will come out. Ugh. Nasty. So you can't go to the rivers, the creeks. You can't go to your garden hose. You can't go to the store to buy bottled water. That's all going to be blood too. Ugh. Crazy, crazy stuff. I'm not good at following my own notes, guys. I'll probably miss a bunch of stuff, but you have it in front of you. If I miss it, you have it. You can look it up later. Moving on. Verse 5. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. A couple things here I want to point out. First of all, oh, God's not fair. How can a loving God be pouring out all this judgment and all this stuff on, on the planet, on people? And remember, we've had this conversation about, well, God's not fair. The exact opposite is true. He's fair, and what we're told here is that he's righteous. He's fair, and this is righteous. And guess what? God will judge sin. He has to. The world is sick, even today, seemingly getting sicker by the day. But in this day, it's finally time to deal with that illness, that illness of sin and the carnality. It has risen to him, and he's like, okay, it is time. I have to deal with this. And this is how he's dealing with it. And what are we told? Righteous are you, O Lord. Righteous are you, the one who is and was and is to be, because you've judged these things. It's a righteous judgment. Secondly, let's not forget what's going on to those who are being martyred at this time, the Christian the person who won't give in to the pressure of getting the mark of the beast, the one who is suffering because of famine, the one who all he'd have to do is go down and get the mark and he could go get a hamburger, just anything to relieve. Not only that, but these Christians in this time, the ones that will be getting saved after the rapture, after they realize, whoa, they were right. They kept telling me and telling me, but I, I kept rejecting and pushing away. No, no, I want to see it first. And they do. We're gone. And they come to know the Lord. And now guess what? They have all of this to deal with. And for that Christian running for their lives quite literally from the Antichrist and his forces that he will have at his beck and call, it's going to be so easy to find people. With AI, I'm sure you're watching the news, all of the things. They, they put AI on a six-month hold, by the way, right now. Artificial intelligence, uh, they are extremely concerned about AI getting smarter than us. It sounds sci-fi. It's real. It happened. They put it on a six-month hold. Not that that's going to help. But the Antichrist, what I'm telling you is that he'll be the world leader, and he will have every resource at his fingertips to do what? Hunt down the Christian. Why? Because they oppose him. And they will, he will shed blood like you will not believe. Beheadings. He'll shed a lot of blood. And it's almost like, you know what? Okay, you want blood? You'll get it. Here you go. The ocean's blood. 
The rivers are blood. Your fresh water source is blood. You want blood? You got it. You want to shed blood? I'll give you all the blood you can handle. Here it is. Verse 7. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. How do you know God's fair and righteous? We were just told. You and I just read it. A voice from the altar. What does that look like? What does that sound like? I don't know, but John heard it and he wrote it down. And that's for you and me today to know. And it's for the world to know. God is fair. He's righteous and he's jud his judgments are pure. And they are fair. Verse 8. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun. And power was given to him, the sun, to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues. And they did not repent and give him glory. That sounds like a good game plan. All of these things being poured out, and the sun, it seems clear here that it's, it's being ratcheted up and given power, and its intensity and heat has increased to scorch men with fire. And instead of going, okay, okay, Lord, we, we're okay, we cry out, have mercy. No, the opposite is true. Instead, they go, ah, and they shake their fist at God and they blaspheme. How's that working out for them? Not too good. Couple ideas here I thought about. There is a false religion that is being born right before our very eyes. It's the religion of the climate. Climate change, the Green New Deal, and it is a mantra. And the bottom line is this, they don't really care about the climate, we know that because of what they do, but they preach it. And do you know what they're talking about? They're talking about global warming. Oh, the planet has warmed a half a degree Celsius in the last 50 years, and it's only going to get worse as time goes on. Really? You know, they're actually right. Global warming is going to happen. They're right, and they don't even know it. They are correct. Global warming will happen. The sun will be so hot that it'll burn them. It will scorch them. So they're right. They don't know it but they are correct. They'll experience it. Another thing too, would you just bounce over to Revelation? We're gonna bounce over to Revelation 21. And this is something I thought about too because like, Revelation 21, jump down there to verse 23. This is when we get the new heaven and the new earth. The new earth we understand. Well, man, look what it just went through. Earthquakes and all kinds of crazy stuff. We're going to talk about the new heaven in a couple of weeks. Can't wait to get to this chapter. Please be here for that. Bring a friend. But in the meantime, chapter 21, verse 22. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord our God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Interesting. If there's no need for the sun, could it be that this is when the sun perhaps goes away? What do you mean? Supernova? Have you heard of the supernova? What is that? It's when a star begins to die, right before it dies and explodes, its heat is brought up exponentially in intensity, in heat, and then it explodes, supernova. Could this be it? If there's no need for the sun, I'm thinking the sun is a star. We're gonna ratchet that up. What would that take? I don't know. Something I think about, it's interesting, it's a side note. 
Could it be a supernova? Could it be just the Lord intensifying the heat of the sun to scorch man? It could be that too. I just like to think about these things. But if you don't need the sun, if we don't need the sun in the new heaven and new earth, I'm going to leave that out there for you to explore. Just interesting, kind of how my brain works. Where are we? Oh, verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. And then they cried out to God for mercy? Oh, no. Verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. This fifth angel pours out this bowl on the throne of the beast. Remember, we've talked about this. The Antichrist will set up his throne, his kingdom, and he will rule and reign. And Babylon is going to be known as a couple of different things. One, it'll be known as uh, the city Babylon seems to be one that will be, in a way, rebuilt, named Babylon because of its ancient uh, roots, where it came from. Babylon, you guys remember, was the city that was built at the site of the Tower of Babel. And the Antichrist will set up a, his own political rule, and the false prophet will set up a false religious ruling. And that false religion he will use to point to the Antichrist, for people to come to the Antichrist and worship him. And so we see Babylon utilized, and we've been seeing it in our morning scriptures on Sunday morning. Oh, Babylon has fallen, has fallen. And we've already seen it in one of our studies here. Why is it has fallen mentioned twice? Because of the two-pronged um, uh, picture there of Babylon, the economic system that the Antichrist sets up, and also the false religious system of Babylon. There's going to be judgment poured out upon that. But right here, darkness is poured upon the rule uh, or the throne of the beast or the Antichrist. And not only will that darkness be poured out, but along with that great intense pain, so much so that they will literally gnaw on their tongues. I can't imagine being in so much pain where I'm gnawing on my tongue for some sort of relief if that is possible, but they will do so. And remember again, the roots of Babylon, where that whole idea comes from. We've spoken about this uh, in not great detail, but Tower of Babel. It's that same Tower of Babel mentality that we see in our leadership globally today, not just ours, but around the world. Leaders around the world want to come together. They want to unify. There's this deep uh, demonic force within them that they have this sense of unifying and coming together us being centralized. And the reason why they want to do that is because, quite honestly, they don't believe in a God. They believe that they are God. They have put themselves in place of God. No one rules over us. Oh, the Bible, that's just silly stories in a book. We are gods. We will rise above. Let us, let us, let us. There's, a, there's something demonic about it that they want to come together and we see, we saw what happened in the famous old story of the Tower of Babel. What happened to their tongues? Each tongue got a different language. But here, their tongues will be gnawed on because of the great pain that this plague uh, brings as it's poured out upon them. They don't repent of their deeds. Verse 12 then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. The river Euphrates has great meaning in the Bible. It was the northern boundary of the original land of Israel that they were to obtain, given to Abraham. The river Euphrates runs for miles 
It's hundreds of feet wide at its even its narrowest. It's it's just it's been uh, a symbol all throughout Scripture, mentioned at least 25 times all the way through the Bible. This river will dry up. And the funny thing is, is people laughed about this for years and years and years, for centuries. How in the world? The, the river Euphrates? Come on, look at it. It's so long and it's wide and it's swift and there's no way that could be dried up until 1994 when they built a dam at the headwaters and we covered this with the men, how interesting that was. And when they finished building that dam, it was actually uh, spoken to the fact that the, the people that run the dam said at that time that they could shut off the water supply to Syria and Iraq for up to eight months, depending upon their political behavior. Oh, you guys wanna start trouble? Cool, whoop, we'll shut your water off. People laughed at this for centuries until that, and then they realized, whoa, these are things that we look at. That's why we watch the, well, that's why I watch the news, but that's why we keep in touch with what's happening in the world today. We watch the news, we read the papers, and we see things happening in the world today that line up with what we know to be true in God's word, in Revelation, in Daniel, uh, in the prophets. We, we see, and we go, whoa, could you imagine in 1994 when they built that dam and they, they bragged that they could shut the water off? <gasps> That's like what Revelation says. How many times have you done that yourself? It's happened to me a lot, especially here lately going through this book in extreme detail, and I look around at the world today and the news, and I go, wow, if that's not scripture coming alive, I don't know what is. I'm sure you have experienced that as well. But the river Euphrates dries up, and it says there that it prepares the way for the kings from the east that they might be prepared. The kings of the east or also known as the land of the rising sun, this would be China, Japan, and their populations. It could be true that they would be able to then more easily make their way to Armageddon, which we'll get to momentarily. Verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. This is interesting coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. These, dra these, these demon-like frogs coming out of the mouth of each one of, remember, this is basically the diabolic trinity. Um, not to be confused, obviously, with the trinity, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that we worship, but Satan is the great imitator. So... This is the demonic version of the Trinity, the, the dragon, Satan himself, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. But these frogs come out. And what's their purpose? Well, it says, verse 14, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty, to literally bring them to battle. So it's interesting because uh, I've always liked this. Pastor John from Applegate, when he teaches this passage, he speaks about these frogs, and he says, instead of ribbit, ribbit, he says that the frogs go up to the kings and whisper, go to Megiddo, go to Megiddo. I've always thought that was so funny. I love that. It's true. That's what they'll do. They will whisper in the king's ears. And they will somehow draw them to Armageddon or the Valley of Megiddo. Wrote down a couple of thoughts here uh, pertaining to this. The Jezreel Valley, 60 miles north of Jerusalem. A lot of stuff has happened there in the past. You might remember Gideon and 300 men overcame the Midianites at Megiddo. Samson took on the Philistines there. King Josiah was killed there. And Deborah 
and Barak defeated Sisera at Megiddo. A lot has happened biblically in this location, and it's not done yet. The kings of the world, the rulers during this time, will be lured. This evil, these evil spirits that come from uh, this, this evil diabolic trinity, they will lure the kings and draw them to this location. Um, Satan has, Satan's plan and his tactics are kind of outlined in Daniel. You'll see that in your notes, Daniel chapter 11, verse 40 through 45. We won't read that uh, in detail today for time, but you can read that on your own. I encourage you to. It's really talking about current day countries that will, will be drawn to this location, what we're talking about. Quite literally, the rulers of the north, Russia, also the rulers of the south, Egypt, and the northern African nations will converge. Russia will come down and help out Egypt. Then they'll turn their backs on them uh, as Egypt wants to go and uh, basically go against the Antichrist in an insurrection. Read that passage in detail uh, on your own time, but it's, it's very telling of current events or events that will happen even in our future. Uh, they performed these um, signs to the kings of the earth. They lure them to battle at that great day of, the God, of God Almighty. Now watch here, a change of gears. Behold, these are red letters. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. This is a very vital and important message from Jesus, from the Lord. It's there in red letters for us to see. But guess what? It's not for us. These teachings are recorded. You might know that. These teachings are recorded, they're put on YouTube, and this verse right here makes me want to speak to the camera right now and say that if anyone is listening to this message right now in this day and you are experiencing these things and these plagues and you are in search for the truth and you somehow, way, stumbled onto this archaic thing called YouTube and are listening to this teaching, this verse is for you. What does Jesus say? Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. In other words, Jesus would say, come to me. Your search is over. Stop running. Cry out to me. I'm your savior. I want to save you. Because his return is not only going to be imminent, it's immediate. Shortly after these passages that we read, he comes back. And I can't wait to get to that. That's my prayer, is that people stumble onto these teachings somehow. People who, man, I don't know, what, the world is so crazy, I don't even know which way is up. This is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And he would even then want to save people. Verse 16. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Probably the only, if not the only place in scripture that word is used. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, it is done. Whew. Man, after all that, those, are, those must be comforting words. It's done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Quite literally, the earth is just being shaken from the core. An earthquake so violent we just had an earthquake, uh, was it in Turkey? Uh, a couple months ago. The death toll, every day, it was, 
it was climbing. I never did get a final death toll number. Someone might know that. It, it's astounding. That was nothing. That was nothing compared to this one. What does it say there? So mighty was this earthquake um, that no earthquake has occurred since men were on the earth. Verse 19, now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So vile is this economic system that the Antichrist will rule over. I won't say he'll establish it because I believe that's already being established presently and currently as we have spoken about these sorts of things and current events in previous teachings, not to get into that tonight. But I believe he will rule over it and he'll use that economic system to, be, to bring great suffering on people, especially those who oppose him. Also, the false religion also, the, the second prong of that Babylonian idea, the Babylon idea there, they are going to experience fierce wrath from God, as we're told here in this passage. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. This is cataclysmic, folks. Cataclysmic events really being just unfolded on the planet like it's never been seen before. An earthquake so violent that no one, it's beyond record. Islands being shaken out of their place. Mountains crashing and falling down. Can you just imagine? It's God saying, wake up. People, will you just get right with me? Will you just surrender Will you just come to me? And what do they do? They blaspheme. They shake their fists at God. How dare you? You bring this upon us. Watch this. And great hail from heaven fell upon men. Each hailstone about the weight of a talent. And men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail since that plague was exceedingly great. Oh, not done. More outpouring of wrath upon these people. You know, I thought about that. These hailstones, a talent, it's about 100 pounds. So could you imagine a hailstone, just one hailstone, what that would do at 100 pounds? Real quickly, if I can bring this up. According to the terminal velocity calculator, I didn't know that existed. That is fancy. I was thinking, okay, how fast would a 100-pound hailstone fall? So I thought, well, okay, what's the terminal velocity of that? Well, it popped up, a terminal velocity calculator. And it turns out that skydivers use this according to their size, height, weight, air density, if you can know that. I, what's air density? I don't know. Whatever that is. But the point is this. You type in these numbers. So I put in, okay, 100 pounds. 100 pounds, uh, drag, I don't know, 0.294. And was I close? Air density, 1.225. Gravity, 1, because <laughs> it's... Anyway, 1G. The point is this. Here's what I came up with, and I think it's accurate. A 100-pound hailstone will fall at 163 feet per second. That means it reaches a top speed of 111 miles per hour. One hailstone. So imagine multiple hailstones at 100 pounds each falling 160-some feet a second at a top speed of 111 miles per hour. There's not a building that I know of that's going to protect people from that, unless it's a bunker 
under the mountain of Colorado Springs, where NORAD is, perhaps. A Connex box, they'll go right through that. They're not safe. They're going to be running from these things. Great death will happen from hailstones just falling from the sky. And what do they do? They blaspheme God. After all of this, they blaspheme God. Finally, what's interesting, you know what the punishment for blaspheming God in the Old Testament was? Leviticus 24, 16, and whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall surely stone him, the stranger as well as him who is born in the land. Even the strangers get in on this. Isn't that something? You're just traveling through. Hey, what's going on over there? Oh, he blasphemed God. Here's a rock. Cool. I mean, you know, they, they get in on it. When he blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall, and shall means shall, be put to death. Blaspheming God, the punishment is stoning. Well, there's going to be 100-pound hailstones coming down upon their head at 111 miles per hour, and that's what they get. This is righteous. You, the, the cynic would say, oh, that's terrible. God's unfair. And what do we say? God's absolutely fair. 100%. This judgment is righteous. Angels proclaim it. John heard it from the altar and wrote it down. It's actually 100% righteous and fair because the world is in such upheaval and denying the work that Jesus did on the cross. They turn and they shake their fists and blaspheme the Lord. Well, why is hell eternal? Because man will eternally blaspheme in his fallen state. Hell was not created for us. It was created for Satan and his angels. But a person will go there in their rejection of Christ. So, very sobering passage tonight. Plagues and things happening on the planet that you and I, we can't even wrap our heads around. We can't even comprehend. And people will be living in these times. They will have to endure this. And it gets us back to what we always say before we close, and that is this, that we have the truth. We should initiate the conversation, bring the gospel, bring the truth, bring the good news. Every single time we have an opportunity in boldness and say, you do not want to be here for these days because we won't be. Come join us. Amen.